Good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing, and with me is my friend and longtime caddy, John Perlis, and we have Brad Barnes doing a great job working the board for us. Thanks for joining us this morning. The show is formatted just like a round of golf, and this first segment is called On the Range. Jay, how do you think the show went last week? Um, have a listen. Yeah. That's pretty much uh, there. There's wow. so many different wow. things that come to mind there, but Brad, that was fantastic. Thank you for that little soundbite. Um, I think we got to give ourselves a little bit of a break, but this does remind me of of a tough time, a tough start we had years ago in Shreveport. Do you happen oh, to remember man. that? Really? You've told the story <laughs> at least a thousand times. Can I possibly forget it? I think pretty much every time I told it, somebody liked it though. I don't think it was me that liked it, but I think someone did like it. So let's set it up a little bit. But we're down in Shreveport. What's the name of that golf course? South Wind or something no, like that? No, I don't remember right now off the top of my head. I'll it was, it was like a TPC or a, uh, uh, a nationwide event back then or that kind of stuff. It absolutely was a nationwide up. event. You were yep. all ready for the event. You were playing great. We were jacked up. We are staying at a buddy of uh, actually my, my father's house off a of bayou out in the middle of nowhere. It was just perfect for you and I. It was just a, having a great time. And then you went out and had a tough start. Well, it's funny because you're, you're, you've become such a good caddy because I know that I went out and had a tough start. But as soon as we, <laughs> the, the rounds turned around, we had a good round together. Yeah. No, it was a terrible start, actually. It was uh, uh, just a basic uh, golf blah, day yeah. of just giveaways and three putts and Penalty shots in 76, I think it was. So 76, there wasn't a lot said after that round. You were clearly, you know, we were both kind of in shock down in the dumps. And I'm not sure we did say a word to each other. Through the clubs, through the clubs, into the trunk. Out the driveway we go. Now, I'm not a coffee drinker, but if somebody offered me a half a cup of cold coffee and a nickel, I'd have sold my clubs, my rent-a-car, <laughs> and you if I had an opportunity. <laughs> that would have been a hell of a deal at the time. So do you remember how it went as you're driving out of the uh, the parking lot down the long driveway out to the road? I do, I do. I was I was bummed out and and uh, just had a lot of uh, negative thoughts in my head and I I don't I don't think I acknowledged you. I would look forward and I said, man, Pearly, I'm not sure if I can ever make another cut again. And there was about a 10 second pause. And no I'm answer. thinking, oh, he's gonna put his arm around me. He's gonna go, oh, don't worry about it. Oh no, tell everybody what you said. I said, I'm not sure you're ever going to make another cut either. <laughs> and, man, did we bust up laughter after that. That was something else. I think we got to save this story, though, for uh, – Yeah, there's more to that story. Yeah. We'll look back at this on, in segment three or something. But let's um, – yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Um, I feel like we, we prepped well today. We had we yeah. visited our friends over at Palm Health. We did some uh, – uh, some little funky meditation thing that I really liked. In the and salt room? In the we, salt room? We did, and uh, we, we had a, a cryogenic experience, which was trying to freeze all the all the um, the goshes that I said last week out of me, and I think there were like three or 4,000 of those that I think I got out this afternoon. How cold was that cryogenic machine? Minus 120. One minus 120. We survived that. He said three minutes. It didn't sound like a big deal until you're in there after about 10 seconds, and it seemed like a big deal at that point. But I did feel great coming out of that. Yep, and so we are. And then we right. headed off to? Back back over to my place. Oh, no, we went to the, the sauna and uh, steam. So we will live the big life this afternoon, man. We uh we're treating ourselves to like uh, 
like the show last week was fantastic. And uh, so we appreciate the help from Amanda and the folks at Palm Health over there in uh, Ladue. It was a hell of a time, and we are absolutely prepared. Yeah, I'm let, setting us up for the big fall here, but go ahead, Jay. No, that's that's fantastic. We had a, we did have a great day. We um, let's just do a little uh, overview of what the show's going to be look like. We're going to talk about the uh, the Century Tournament, the the outstanding finish that uh, uh, Xander Shoffley had. Um, there's some rules violations. There's already a gigantic hullabaloo about the rules. We got to talk about the putting with the flag stick in. Yep. We yep. got a great interview coming from a Hall of Famer Brett Hall. We've got uh, just some really cool stories we want to tell. Uh, uh, we're going to get to Cody Blick this week about his uh, unfortunate and then turn of fortunes all in a matter of about 20 or 30 hours. And so. And a couple of folks that uh, were winners this uh, week, uh, one fo- person, excuse me, winner this week of the free rounds of golf. We'll uh, we'll read that story on uh, on uh, one of the segments as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into Kapalua and the, the uh, Century event. Wow, this this young man, Xander Shoffley, is really making a name for himself. Won the Tour Championship. I think this is his fourth PGA Tour win. Uh, shot 11 under par. That's his par 73 golf course over there. Shot an 11 under par, 62, to beat Gary Woodland by a couple. And here's it for your Gary Woodland's perspective. And, folks, just listen to this. So you're leading a PGA Tour event. You've got a one-stroke lead over your closest competitor, you've got a, your four strokes clear of third. Mm-hmm. And you go out and shoot five under par. Yep. And you don't win. And uh, Gary, to Gary Woodland. Kind of a, not tough per se across the board, but tricky tough. Funky greens, tough to read, the grain, the ocean, the slope, and dealing with the wind at the same time. I remember being out there with you. I don't remember that much about the golf part. I remember the Ritz-Carlton and Hootie and Bluefish and some things like that. But I do remember a little bit of how tricky that golf course was to just really take it low. Yeah, it was a tricky golf course. And, uh, man, hats off to to uh, Xander. What a great start. Hats off to Gary Woodland also, the way that he handled mm-hmm. that. He kind of gave him a little body blow over there and just kind of a in a fun way. And um, Xander's one of those players, Jay, though. He seems, you know, you brought up uh, Molinari uh, uh, last week. And, you know, he's not there yet. But he's one of those guys that just is kind of a machine. It's simple, it's clean, and he's a machine. You know, he's got uh, the prototypical, just a beautiful body yep. build for golf. He's he's not too tall. He's he's strong. He crushes it. It uh, he's got it all, and um, he's he kind of flies under the radar uh, in the likes of Brooks Koepka. Not has not won a major yet, but lots not for be much heard. longer maybe. Not right. for much lots longer. Lots to be heard from from uh, Mr. Shoffley there. So. The biggest thing that happened last week, we talked a little bit about this in our first show, the putting with the flag stick in. You know, one of the things we talked about the rules last week, we weren't really sure what was going to be what, what was going to be a big deal. You're never really sure about how this is going to play out. Well, putting with the flag stick in, I listened, I read, I did quite a bit of research, and all the tour players were just more than freaked out about what it looked like putting with the flag stick in. And only one young man embraced this, said he was absolutely from the get-go going to take advantage of this. He uh, has done, as you would suspect, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you will in a second, he has done tons and tons of scientific research on Straight this Straight up thing. his alley to figure that out. We're talking about Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. He, um, he feels like there's a huge advantage putting with the flag stick in. Dave Pels has kind of tried to measure it, and it's somewhere around 2%. You're going to make 2% more putts. Well, that will be a trend that 
it catches on the PGA Tour if that is the case. But um, but on but on that note, it's interesting because there's that fraction of an edge, right? And really, the difference between winning, losing, fraction of an edge, all that kind of stuff. We're talking we're talking two percent. Who wouldn't go for that? My question to you is, and I kind of got a jo- kick out of it through the years being out there. What does that say about the tour players? interest or openness to change really of any any sort here's a change that clearly statistically is going to help them and they still aren't comfortable with it right i i mean they're they're going to go to comfort first no matter what and then they're going to try to ease into it some players like bryce and he is looking for that edge and he's looking for that edge scientifically the other guys are looking for it maybe mentally mm. maybe in, in different ways So to your point the two percent might not overweigh their discomfort it, it, it may not yeah. i mean it's going to be you know if you can't stand if you're standing over a five-foot putt that's got a you know a little bit of break on it and you're thinking about the flagstick you know you're not in the right spot so it's going to take a minute but you know it's also a work in progress if we're still talking about this pearly in another three months then you know then, then something then then something's up because it's not making sense to them and they're not responding in a way i think you got to give everybody a little bit of leeway here why did they make that rule to keep the pin in speed of play i think you know uh, if you, then i'm if you, for it then i'm automatically for it for speed of play i, I agree i mean the, the tour player is one thing but you know the average guy is playing in his club championship mm-hmm. and he chips up to a foot from the hole he's got his bag on his shoulder he just wants to putt in yeah. you know and get on out of there and so it makes a lot of sense so but, is that one of the rules that is adopted throughout golf across the board then because you said last is. week there's some that are kind of adopted by the pga tour but not necessarily in other places or vice versa correct that is okay. that's going to be through the board and brandel chambly a friend of mine who will be on the show uh, made some strong comments, mm-hmm. uh, went on a limb like he likes to do. Yes, he does. Or authoritatively mm-hmm. spoke and said, this will be something that gets, that just sweeps the tour and that everybody will eventually be putting with that flag stick in. Yeah. yeah. Well, by the way, who had the best putting statistics for the, the first week? Yeah. Um, Bryson DeChambeau yep, led the tournament and stroke saved on the greens. He accepted the change. He understood the advantage and off he went. Yeah, so that's... You that's, want to address uh, real quick before the uh, end, uh, DJ's uh, violation relative to... Uh, yeah, DJ broke. was the first one to get a two-shot. He got a two-shot penalty. He hit a wrong ball. It had nothing to do, however, folks, with these new changes. This was an old rule. He should have known the difference. He said that. He just made a mistake. He has ball in a hazard. He didn't identify that ball. He wound up hitting it, hitting the wrong ball, and cost him a, a two-stroke penalty. So, but it had nothing to do with these those, these latest round of changes that the USGA has uh, come up with. Well, we've got to take a short break. Come back and listen to uh, a couple stories we have. John and I are going to talk about our own experiences over in Kapalua. We're going to talk to you a little bit about Cody Blick, and we're also going to announce who won the Golf for Two at uh, Gateway National. Come back for the front nine. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri, Prost! When I bought a home a few years back, my friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage provided me with a pre-approval letter that changed my buying experience. The real estate agents and sellers treated me as if I was a cash buyer. The sale went smoothly. I love my new digs. 
I want to thank Joe and his team for giving me the highest quality of service and attention possible. Joe's a top producer for USA Mortgage and a true expert in his field. USA Mortgage is employee-owned and locally operated, and all processing, underwriting, and closings take place here right in St. Louis. Call Joe today at 314-628-2015, NMLS number 281113. The Momentum Builders help business leaders compete in the big leagues. PGA Tour players, NFL quarterbacks, MLB pitchers, and Fortune 500 CEOs work with a coach on technique, strategy, and mental preparation. How about you, or are you going it alone? How are you handling the competition, the challenges and opportunities you face daily? Are you realizing your dreams or tossing and turning all night in preparation for another long, stress-filled day fighting fires, too often the same fires you put out last month? Maybe it's time to change things up and bring in a fresh pair of eyes. Consider making the Momentum Builders part of your team. We look forward to hearing about your wins, losses, concerns, and exciting opportunities. Please view our website at themomentumbuilders.com or email us at john at themomentumbuilders.com. Golf with Jay listeners, your first meeting is complimentary. Hi, it's Jay Delsing here to tell you about a strength training program that helped me get back on tour. It can improve your game and your overall fitness too. And all it takes is 20 minutes once a week. I'm talking about the golf fitness program at 20 Minutes to Fitness. It targets the muscle groups used in golf. It strengthens your obliques, the muscles used during the golf swing, as well as your back and your leg muscles. It increases your flexibility and range of motion, and it builds cardio fitness and helps relieve back pain. I know because I've done it myself now for over eight years. Because you work out with a trainer on physical therapy equipment, it also reduces the chance of exercise-related injuries to almost zero. And it's safe no matter what kind of shape you're in. You need to try it to believe it. Your first session is free. 20 Minutes to Fitness is in Clayton and in Chesterfield. To learn more, visit 20MinutesToFitness.com. 20 Minutes to Fitness, it works for me. Hi, and welcome back to Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay Delsing. Pearlie is with me. And uh, welcome to our second segment. We call this the Front Nine. Please reach out to us with your questions, comments, or any request at j at jdelsinggolf.com. That's J-A-Y at J-A-Y-D-E-L-S-I-N-G-G-O-L-F dot com. Uh, Each week, we'll select an email sent in from you listeners, and that winner will receive a complimentary golf for two at Gateway National Golf Club. Compliments of Walters Golf Management. Well, this week, Jay, the first week's winner is from Dr. Manny. He writes, Jay, enjoying the show, wanting to get my daughters involved in the game. Your thoughts, please, on places like Top Golf to get young people to embrace the game. Yeah, first of all, Dr. Manny, thanks for the yep. response. We appreciate you listening. And um, I am a dad of four daughters. I'm not sure how many I saw the S at the end of the yeah. daughter, so I wish you the best of luck um, with your uh, with your daughters. But anything, uh, Dr. Manny, that's going to get the girls involved in the game at an early age is um, I'm all for. So the top golf concept is kind of almost like a video game concept. It's, uh, you know, there's some some – gimmicks in it and things like that but it, it the, it's the, fresh though it's fresh for of, that younger of, group of course and the component that i was want to talk to you about is fun yep. it is really fun it's fun to be there you're spending time with your daughters there's some bonding moments there and they're swinging a golf club and the national golf foundation has come out and said this is the main 
feeder for putting new people and getting wow. new people interested in the game of golf. And so I'm all for that. That's the purpose of my show. That's uh, I, I would like to do that with some of the other things with with some of my business things that I do just to get people in, and, and understand what a cool game it is, what, a, a, you know, what some things have done for you and I and for, you know, everyone else. And, um, yeah, just if we can get more people involved and enjoying it at an early age, they got a better chance of sticking and, and really getting great benefit from Again, it. Again, the mission for you, I mean, of the show is to help grow the game. And, I mean, this fits the, the, Dr. Manny's uh, – email. Jay, when you're helping, whether it's your daughters, other young people, when do you see that that glit in their eye? When do you see it kind of grab them? When when all of a sudden is it, hey, they kind of like this? Because at first they're grabbing the club, nothing's happening, they can't get the ball airborne, might not even be hitting it. At what point do you kind of see that catch? Well, it's going to be different for everyone. Yep. And I think that's what a good dad is going to pay and a good mom is going to pay attention to because it might happen in the first three minutes. It might take, you know, two or three years. It, uh, just presenting this opportunity for these kids, for your children, it's fantastic. And you know what? They're going to gravitate towards what they're meant to gravitate towards. And unfortunately, the game's not for everyone. My daughter, uh, Brennan, who is a really good athlete, yeah. looked at me and said, Dad, it's just too slow. We're not running. I'm not jumping. I'm going to stick with volleyball. And, yeah. you know, she played D1 volleyball. So, uh, but it, this, this, uh, Dr. Manny taking them to Top Golf is a great idea. You can have lunch with them there. You can keep, keep it fun until it catches on. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you're going to know because they're going to start coming to you. Like I used to pester the heck out of my dad yeah. and say, Dad, can you take me to the driving range? Can you take me? Just dump me at the golf course. You don't have to be there. Just when did you start me. sneaking on that golf course? Uh, as soon as I was able to get there, get over that yeah, fence. Yeah, as soon as I was able to jump the fence. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it did not take a long time for me. So. Um, well, thanks for the question, Doctor Manny. Appreciate it. Appreciate you listening into the show. So we've got ourselves. You and I have a nice little story about Kapalua, this place where the century was played last yep. year, the Plantation Golf Course out of Kapalua. I don't know how many years ago it was, but all of a sudden you give me a ring and say, "Hey, Burley, I got. I can get you a ticket to Kapalua. We're going to stay at the Ritz Carlton." And I'm thinking, I can't turn this down. And we also, uh, a sidebar, yeah. uh, we never stayed wait at Ritz-Carlton. Wait a second, we, don't, we didn't, we didn't have to, you scared me with sidebars, so let's be careful. What's the sidebar here? We didn't stay at Ritz-Carlton very often. True, So absolutely, Like never. So absolutely all over that one. And then I guess just my confidence in you. I called you about two weeks before the, uh, the tournament, and I said, you know, Jay, I know we're supposed to leave a week from Monday, but, you know, I'm thinking I can go, like, now. Is there any way you can kind of change those play tickets and uh, see if the Rich Carlton people don't mind uh, having me come a week early? And I'll be darned, you made it happen. And to this day, I appreciate that. Well, I, I got to tell you, the biggest surprise was when I got my bar bill. I was like, I think I was in St. Louis for this bar bill. See, there's another sidebar. That was not part of the script right there. So we don't want to go too deep down that angle over there. But, yeah, that was a fun and gorgeous for whoever hasn't been out there and the Ritz-Carlton in, in particular, but it was absolutely spectacular. Hootie and the Blowfish were the uh, the entertainment, uh, and you kind of were familiar with those guys and knew a couple of those guys. Yeah, we, um, we, they came to St. Louis to the show. You know, the band's back together, so maybe we can have a little reunion this summer, hopefully. But um, Well, my, yeah. my, kind of my favorite story on that is I'd, I knew of Blue, Hootie and the Blowfish. I didn't know them like you do. They were kind of doing a lot of tour work and that kind of stuff, so you guys kind of knew the, know those guys. I was down at the pool four or five days before you got there. 
and uh, Hootie and Bullfish were doing some other work, and I'm sitting next to this guy, and he's got, you know, long blonde hair. We're having a beer, and you just, see, you know, strike up a conversation. It's a lot of fun, and I said, yeah, I'll introduce myself. You know, my name's John, and all of a sudden I find out this guy's name is Sony. I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me, and he says he's with Hootie and the Blowfish. So I'm thinking, that's kind of cool. So I grab my phone, and I, uh, I call my daughter, who's kind of at that age, who would know Hootie and the Blowfish, would know Sony, and she always liked that long, pretty hair on the guys. So I said, I called her up. I said, hey, Kelly, I'm at the beach in Kapalua. I wanted to give you a call. And I got a guy sitting there next to me that wants to say hi to you. And she says, okay, fine. So he was great about it. He gets on and says hi to Kelly and that kind of stuff, introduces himself. And she, he gives me the back of the phone. And she's just screaming, you don't even know who that is. That's unbelievable that you're there with him. On and on and on. So that was a lot of fun. And I remember when you finally showed up, too. I was kind of tan and ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of remember that too. Uh, I was glad it. I was, you know, back here in the St. Louis winter, and you were over there in, in Kapalua. It's a tough life of the. Uh, every once in a while, a caddy comes. Every once in a while, a caddy comes and gets a little bit ahead of the game. You know, the cool thing though uh, that I remember was a private concert they did in yeah. a small little tent. And there was only I don't know maybe a hundred of us, yeah. and um, we were uh, and enjoyed ourselves a lot. And uh, gosh, another cool thing that golf has uh, has provided us. Um, We've got this really cool story that I can't wait to tell you about. I'm not sure if you folks are familiar with a young man named Cody Blick, but Cody Blick um, had one of the craziest things ever happened to him a couple weeks ago. He was uh, in between the fifth and sixth rounds, web.com, Q School, Mm -hmm. and had his golf club stolen. Now, for you that don't know this, getting your card at the Q School is basically – the only way as a U.S. player that you can get your PGA Tour card. And Cody Blick, without question, the most important round of his life, goes out, his card's broken into, and his clubs, they're gone. Wow. They're gone. So he goes to social media. He goes, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to put a $5,000 cash reward, no questions asked, for the return of my clubs. And he got nothing wow no response no nothing so now sleepless night no doubt about that gets up the next morning heads to the golf course and starts talking to the pro and he starts slapping a set of clubs together got a set of irons he's got some wedges he'd never hit before takes a putter off the rack takes the head pro's driver Hmm. and goes out and shoots himself a bogey free Nine under par, 63, <laughs> to get his PGA Tour card. Awesome. Get his uh, web.com tour for the 2019 season. And there's kind of another funny end of the story. There's, as you know, probably the most important and the most player-specific club in the bag is the putter. Mm-hmm. Some guys are the driver, too, especially nowadays the driver, but the putter. And um, about a week ago... Cody gets a call from some woman in Arizona and says, I just bought a set of clubs off of a homeless guy for 75 bucks. And I turned the bag over and I see your name in there. So I went on online and I, I, I'm understanding your story. These are your clubs. I have your clubs. Is he still offering five grand at that time? Uh, no. <laughs> no, especially <laughs> since she bought them for 75. But here's an interesting part of the transaction. For 300 bucks... He had to have a fellow tour player down in Arizona at the time. And he said, hey, if I Venmo you this cash, will you go give it to so-and-so and and grab my clubs and not let go of them and drive them back here to California? And she said, absolutely. Wow. 
did that. So the so the gal bought a set of clubs for seventy five bucks, sold them for three hundred, which she did good. Yeah, that's you know entrepreneurial, <laughs> right? And uh, he got the clubs back. He said he disinfected. He threw his golf bag away. He disinfected a lot of the clubs, which I thought was funny. But what he did do, and you know all about this, Pearly. He sent his Scotty Cameron, beloved Scotty mm-hmm. Cameron, to the putting studio to have Hank get all the specs back to him as they mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. So what uh, Scotty Cameron's got a very tour-specific studio out in Carlsbad, California. Been to it before. It's really a cool place where he can customize a putter for you. He can uh, – every Scotty Cameron is designed with four degrees of loft on I don't know if you knew that. There's a different lie angles for your height and things like that. But, yeah, pretty cool story and pretty unusual situation there for, for Cody Blick. So you, what's the follow-through? Is he going to use those clubs or look at the specs or, or take some advantage of them? How is that going to go going forward? Because that's a heck of a round and a heck of a time. Yeah, he said he probably wasn't going to use his uh, old set of clubs <laughs> for 2019, and I can't really say I blame him. Right. Those guys came out, of the, that, that new set came out of the gate charging. So, um, yeah, good for Cody and um, just a, a, a great story. And maybe setting a little bit of what it's all about, setting expectations. You know, when, when he had the, had to deal with that, it's kind of give himself a break, and maybe that in some strange way helped him. I'm definitely going to try to reach out to Cody and see if we could get him on the show. I'd love to hear the mindset of something like well, that. Well, next time I caddy, I'll just lose your clubs, and maybe we'll go low. Okay. <laughs> Let's try that. Well, that wraps up the front nine. We're going to take a quick pause so you can hear from some of the folks that support us at Jay Delson Golf. Uh, Come back and we're going to talk to you a little bit more about that uh, Shreveport Tour Life segment. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri, Prost. Let me tell you about what's happening at the Jerseyville Carpet and Furniture Gallery. They have the largest selection of Lazy Boy and Flex Steel furniture in the area. They also have sofas starting at just $377. The Kingstown King Size Ultra Premium Mattress Sets, a $2,500 value, now just $997 while they last. In stock Mohawk Carpet for just $0.99 cents a square foot. You can call them at 618-639-9858 or find them online at www.jerseyvillecarpetfurniture.net. This is Jay Delsing, and I have the privilege of talking to Hall of Famer Brett Hall. Uh, 19 seasons in the NHL, eight-time All-Star, won the Hart Trophy, the Ted Lindsay Award, the Lady Bing Award, a silver medal in the Olympics, Hall of Fame inductee in 2009, uh, Gosh, Holly, 1,391 points in 1,269 games. Your dad is one of the icon players in the NHL. Man, thanks for, for joining me this morning. That is my pleasure. You know, we've known each other a long time, and when you called and asked uh, if I'd be on with you, it was uh, uh, it was a no-brainer. Uh, well, I have had more fun playing golf with you and watching you play, and um uh, it's, it's really cool to be able to talk just a little bit of hockey, but I really want to get some of your takes on why you love the game so much and, you know, maybe why some of the other athletes um, 
you know, gravitate to golf. But, but Holly, briefly about the NHL. Man, has the NHL changed since you stopped playing? I, I remember a time when we were out playing golf, and and you had just finished the season, and I said, Brett, I just watch it. It just looks like wrestling out there, and you said it's more like a rodeo. Yeah, well, that was uh, that's the way it was. You know, it's a uh, it's come uh, probably you know. Since I signed pro in 86, there's probably been uh, uh, three or four versions uh, of NHL hockey. You know, when I, when I first came in, it was, uh, it was wide open. It, it was pretty, you know, when you'd go into meetings with the coaches and it was pretty generic, you know, you, uh, you got a third man high in the offensive zone. And when they get the puck and break out, um, you know, you just go to the, the soft side wing and back check your lane and pick up that winger, you know, and, and so that created a lot of ice for, for the other team uh, carrying the puck up the ice. And, and that's when, you know, obviously guys like Gretzky and, and uh, uh, those guys just, you know, dominated. And then all of a sudden, you know, and it was also, there was, uh, you know, brawls and, and, and the fighting was, it was awesome. Uh, but then all of a sudden things kind of changed and the devils came in with this trap and it was, you know, it, it, for guys like us, we had to, we had to adapt or we would be out like the dinosaur. Holy, is and that the so, left wing lock? Is that what they call the left no, wing? No, that was, that was a very special um, Scotty Bowman and, and the Detroit Red Wings were the only ones who did that. And that basically was almost the same, uh, the same kind of style as when I first broke in the league. Except for no matter who it was, when they were back, they just automatically went to the left wing, and so the defense knew exactly. Uh, they knew that left wing every time was going to be picked up by the forward, and so they could they could press up and do their thing. But because it was in that era. The, the thing that really changed was the other forwards putting backside pressure on the puck carriers. And so they had, they didn't have as much time or space to, to do things with the puck. Um, and the, you know, that was basically the trap as well. The trap just kind of clogged up the neutral zone, but there was this new era of, well, you just can't laze back like the other two forwards. They had to come back and that backside pressure it, it stopped the, the uh, offensive D from joining the play and, and created just not a lot of space. So um, all of a sudden it was, you know, there, there wasn't as much room. There wasn't as much scoring. And actually the game got, you know, very bogged down and kind of boring. And, and then all of a sudden now the, the players are so, they're so big and fast and uh, reckless, I would say. And, and, you know, it doesn't. You don't even have to be re- really a good player anymore to play. But if you can skate very well and you're big, and you can just crash and bang and move the puck and go to the net, you you'll make an NHL team. Boy, Holly, that is. You know, I, I one of the things I, I watch. They're so sensitive about hooking and slashing and things like that. And I, I mean, I can remember you know watching you in front of the net having you know. Yeah, one guy's got you know uh, got you in a headlock, and the other guy looked like he had your right arm wrapped up, and you still wound up getting shots and goals. And uh, 
that your your style of play and the way that you adapted in today's game, I mean, if you could have had someone like Gretz, how many goals could you score now? Well, it's still tough, you know, because the goalies, you know, remember, we used to play, uh, there was guys like, like Darren Pang, uh, obviously not a very big guy. He was in the NHL. And, and you know, you, the, the great goalies were like Patrick Waugh, you know, who was, who was 6'2", 6'3". Right. Um, so there was, there was a lot more room to score. You know, now they don't even look at you as a goalie unless you're 6'5", 6'4". Yeah, Benny and, Bishop uh, from from Desmet, oh, you know, having a six, great career. Seven, what is he right? six seven? You put him on skates. Yeah. I mean, and they take up a lot of room, and and in today's game, they they get hit by the puck more than they really save it. Um, but it's yeah, it's you know, I love the fact that you know there's no hooking and holding, but in the same same breath, you've got these guys who are all six feet uh, to six five who skate like the wind. Uh, you know, they don't go out and drink beer like we did after every game. And they, they are in the gym every day lifting weights. And, and they're Adonis's. And, you know, they, the league has to do something about being able to let the goalie play the puck to protect the defenseman uh, because someone's going to get seriously hurt because uh, they are so vulnerable back there because the goalies can't help them by playing the puck. Uh, they're going back and the and the forwards are going a million miles an hour because they can't get kind of interfered with to slow them down. And, uh, you know, it's, there's some collisions that uh, I'd say at least three times a game, I I close my eyes and and just hope nothing has happened. Uh, Holly, one other, one last hockey question. Have the goalie spins, it just me, but I was watching, I was watching last night on YouTube. I watched you score the winning goal against Dominic Hasek, who kind of looked like an octopus the way he played goal back there. You know, he just kind of sprawled. But but his pads look like shin guards compared to what the guys are wearing in the NHL now. Well, they were. Uh, you know, they were smaller, but uh, and and the, the goalie's equipment got really carried away for a number of years Uh uh, in the late 90s and, and the early 2000s, uh, the league has kind of put a clamp down on that. Uh, I'm not saying that they still don't cheat, and I'm a firm believer of if you're not cheating, you're not trying uh, when it comes to things like that. But um, you know, it's I don't think they're they're so much bigger now, except for they kind of have to be because the goalies are six foot five, and, and you know you've got to put on pads that are relative to their length and and it, they just look really big and uh but the, i think the league's doing a pretty good job of, of uh, curtailing the size of the equipment and i kind of actually sometimes feel bad for the goalies because they're, they're getting their equipment smaller and the uh the sticks and the curves that the the players are allowed to use uh are they are it's i kind of like a, you, you relate it to golf you know, the the ball just keeps going farther and farther with this new technology, and the, the shots keep getting harder and harder with the new technology of the hockey stick. Yeah, Holly, those sticks make a big difference, don't they? It's almost like the drivers, you know, that we use now, these 480cc drivers. It's got a sweet spot, you know, the size of a quarter. And back in the day, we're playing with a wooden-headed driver, and the sweet spot's the size of a pinhead. And if you hit it off the heel, it goes about a third of the distance it's supposed to. <laughs> exactly, because I remember when I first started playing golf, uh, uh, I was using persimmon. 
And I, I swear to God, they kept selling me that one that didn't have a sweet spot. <laughs> I had a plenty. Holy, this is a cool transition. So how old were you when you started playing the game? How did you get in, involved in the game? And just for the for the listeners that don't know, Brett is one of the best athletes, former athletes, superstar athletes in his game that's come over and, and, and played golf. And one of the, the best players. I mean, Holly, what are you, are you a scratch handicap? You might even be plus. It's not that important, but man, you hit the ball well, and I know that you just love the game. Oh, I do. I love it. And, uh, well, I'm a one handicap right now. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of think the, you know, if I don't know a guy, I'm not going to play him for money because, you know, they've got those apps on the phone, the gin app. And, uh, you know, you, you can be having lunch with your wife and, and just click on that thing and just say you shot 80 at some course. I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, there's no proof that, you know, what you shot or, or verification. So, uh, you know, I, I would say about 90% of everyone's handicap out there is, is bogus. So uh, by at least a couple of shots. But uh, I got into golf uh, the summer of my freshman year in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, my roommates, I uh, asked them what they were doing. They said, oh, we're going to go golfing. And I just said, well, you mind if I tag along? And, and one of our roommates actually was from Duluth who played uh, with us at the hockey team. And so we went over and grabbed a set of his dad's clubs, and we went to Anger Park Golf Course in Duluth. And uh, from that second, I was hooked. Holly, that's what I was going to ask you, because I, I was talking to a Brad Barnes meet here, who's, who's working the board for us, and he's just getting involved in the game. And we were we were talking about, I can remember, Holly, hitting this one shot. I guess I was like 13 or 12 or 13, whatever. And it, it was like, oh, my gosh, I got to do that again. How the hell did I do that, and how can I do that again? And it just had me, and all I could think about was trying to do that again. Oh, that's absolutely the way it is. You hit that one, and the ball goes. It goes exactly where you're looking, and you you didn't even feel like you hit it. It, it, it. You hit it so perfectly in that sweet spot. And, you know, you, you took the perfect amount of divot, and it, everything was just, you know, it's like heavenly. If you see angels when that happens, and you're right, you're going, oh, what? If I, and I still say it to this day. I go, oh, if I could just bottle that swing, I'd be, uh, I'd be on the senior tour. Oh my gosh, that is so, that is so true. And those, those feelings. I think that's the thing that keeps bringing us back. Oh, there's no question because you, you can't conquer the game. You know, wh- whether, whether it's because you woke up with. Uh, you know, maybe you slept wrong, and now that day it's like, oh, I just can't find my swing, or I just can't loosen up, and and you've got to fight every day to find a way to get that little ball in the hole. Uh, you know, or maybe you went out and uh, you and the boys got into a couple of cold ones, and you wake up in the morning and you feel like uh, uh, you feel like hell. And, and let me tell you, that's the you know, I, I would imagine if if you want to do. Uh, create a program to have someone um, stop drinking, it would be uh, tell them that, you know, they're going to play professional golf and have to earn their money that way. And they'll stop real soon because you cannot play golf and drink if, if you want to make money. No, no. And you know, you learn that the hard way playing on tour, you know, cause you get so many opportunities and I grew up in the same area you did. My dad played professional baseball and, you know, drank beer after every game. And that's kind of, what it was like and you 
you you wake up that morning and you're looking down at a couple different balls and um, you're not sure which one to hit and your your hands are shaking over that four foot putt. You're like, boy, I don't think this is a good formula to try to try to beat the best players in the world. Yeah, when the greens are rolling about 13 and it's downhill, I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, that's that's really Holly. I, did did you have a mental uh, type of preparation that you did when you played hockey and you played it at such a high level? Um, and and compare that a little bit to golf because I I, I want to get uh, on the show great athletes like you that also love the game and where is that you know obviously the game is filling that that adrenaline and and that that competitive Jones for you a little bit but I want to hear it more in your words you know what what's it like and and are there similarities? Well, there, it's twofold. Um, there's the pre- the preparation, and then there's, uh, you know, the the actual what do you do to become better at your craft. So, you know, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's similar. Well, I guess it could be too, but you know, when I, for me in hockey, there was this innate fear I had inside of me that I was never going to score a goal again. And so that drove me to figure out how am I going to score every game? Because that's my job. Um, you know, and if I don't score and, and people used to really misunderstand me when we'd lose uh, or win two to one and, and I'd be pissed off, not for any other reason after the game, because, you know, well, if I get a goal or if I get two goals, well, that 2-1 game becomes now 4-1. And it's a much easier game on everyone, from the coaches to our teammates, you know, to those guys out there at the end of the game trying to hold off them when they've got the empty net and the extra attacker out there. Well, if I would have done a better job scoring goals, well, they wouldn't have had to been so, you know, working so hard at the end of the game. And people never understood that. It was like, I was extremely happy we won the game. But but I could have made it easier. Yeah, you, you know, see or, you you see what your job is. Your job is right. to score. You didn't score, and and if you had scored, you would have made it better and easier for all the team and helped the team. Right. Like I've got I've got teammates out there having to block one timers and, and that, and and if I would have, you know, they wouldn't have to do that. So, you know, that's one thing. And and with golf, it's it, it's how can I prepare myself and it's more mentally with golf it's like you know get behind the ball stay behind the ball and and when you you hit that first shot and you pull it left into the trees off the tee it's just like man like are you that stupid get behind the ball and stay behind the ball and and, but that's what's so great about golf is that you 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 can tell yourself all you want but there's the correlation between your brain and your body sometimes just isn't in sync. Yeah, and it's so, like you said, you, and, and I think this is the allure for, I know the guys on tour that, you know, you just don't, you, we're all renting the game. You know, we're rented for a little <laughs> bit, and then all of a sudden we don't rent it anymore, and it's gone, and it's um, and it, and it's fickle like that. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. Um, right, and the, well, the, and the, the other point is, is the physical part of the game is, you know, in hockey, I'd go out and I'd just shoot pucks and shoot pucks, and I hit ball after ball on the range. But I, I completely simplified golf to hockey, and 
So I said, well, what do you do when you shoot? Well, you take it back and you take it through. You know, and there's timing involved with snapping your wrists and whatnot. And I never got technical with my golf swing ever. All My only thought in golf is take it back and take it through. I don't go, where's my elbow? I don't say holding the tray or yep. at all. I go, I turn your left shoulder under your chin, get it back, and then take it through with speed. And, and that's... That, I, I tried to simplify the game as much as I could right there. Oh, my gosh. If we could tell, if I could give anyone a tip, I mean, it's that because you pick up these magazines and you look at the Golf Channel and it's oh, so boy. complicated and, like, I don't even want to play thinking like that. Oh, it's absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm very good friends with Hank Haney and, and uh, you know, I watch him uh, down at our club, our discovery clubs around the country and, and he's got these guys on the range, and he's he's trying to help them become better players. And and I look, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I you know, I, I know the game, and I don't understand what he's saying. Oh, I know, Holly. Uh, I, I look can't at even him imagine my... these guys who don't even know how to play. If how do they understand? Right. I'm I'm looking at him and like, please don't come down and talk to me because I, I I got <laughs> enough in this empty head of mine. I don't I don't need it. Um, that's so good. Holly, what would you say your greatest golf or sports memory is or favorite that you could share with us? I mean, and I do realize I told you I just watched you score the the winning goal for the cup for the Dallas Stars. <laughs> well, those are, uh, you know, I always say my first goal ever is is the greatest because, you know, my first shift ever, you know, I can say, you know what, I did it. I made it and I played in the, in the NHL and, you know, to have all the success you do, it's like crazy. Um, but, you know, I, obviously I think uh, winning the two Stanley cups and scoring in triple overtime to win the cup is, is, uh, is fabulous. And, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to have eight holes in ones, uh, which are, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything better than, than uh, standing up on a par three and your ball goes in the hole and, and, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have eight of them. So, uh, you know, that's that's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, Holly, n- nowadays, what gets you out of bed? What gets you excited to uh, to do what you're doing? I know you're you're part of the, um, the, the Blues organization. I know you're still involved with hockey. I know you love golf. What are you most passionate about? Oh, golf. There, there's no question. You know, I'm, I'm down in Nashville right now, and I'm helping uh, Discovery open a new uh, private golf community about 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes south of, of Nashville. And uh, Fazio is doing the course right now and opens in August. So uh, that's a very exciting uh, uh, thing for me. I passed my real estate exam because you can't help sell real estate without it. So uh, that was uh, uh, very proud, proud of that. Um, but it's golf. Uh, I, I go to bed uh, playing golf in my head. And I wake up wondering if it's nice enough to go play golf or hit balls. And, and I think one of the coolest things for me is, you know, it's the old adage, that, you know, uh, guys, own, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Well, uh, I've gotten my wife, Darcy, into golf the last few years, and, and she's crazy about it. And I really enjoy going out three or two or three times a week with my wife. We play nine or 18 holes. We have dinner together. And uh, it, it's a great uh, – great way to spend time with your wife because as you know when you're a golfer and, and you love to golf uh, 
if you don't make some time uh, for your wife, you, you might never see her. <laughs> Absolutely. The social aspect of the golf and the, and the, oh, uh, the it's, it, it's fantastic. I, I just had one other thing I wanted to, you know, Brett, <clears throat> most people don't know the, the true stories behind athletes, the things that they, they deal with the ups and the downs. All they see is the, you know, the game winning goal and third overtime for the Dallas stars, two Stanley cups, a silver medal, what would you say was your biggest comeback that you made as a, it could be personal, personally, professionally, the thing that, that people wouldn't know how difficult an aspect of your life is, how hard you had to work to achieve something that people may not know about. Well, you know, there's, uh, you know, as an athlete and you know, it, there's, there's always something you're battling from. Uh, and I was very fortunate. I, I I think I inherited my brain from my mother and uh, great sense of humor and, and, you know, very, you know, I let things uh, roll off the, my back, you know, nothing really bothers me, but, you know, growing up uh, Bobby Hull's son uh, in Canada um, and, and playing hockey, like uh, up there, it's like breathing and to try to, uh, live up to the expectations that ignorant people have. Uh, you know, how many millions of times I heard, boy, why isn't he as good or why isn't he better than he is? He's Bobby Hull's son. And, you know, to, to try to have to fight through that kind of mental stuff and uh, maintain confidence in yourself and, and be able to look at yourself. And, and, you know, it happened when I was 15. I just looked at myself and said, you know, you're Brett Hull. You know, there's only one Bobby Hull. And, and I mean, thank God for that. Uh, and and so, so stop trying to be him and just be you and make your own way. And, and I did that. And so when it did happen, I, I always said I was, I'm very proud uh, to stand with one foot in my dad's shadow and, and cast my own at the same time. And it, and it, it worked out very uh, luckily for me, it worked out, and there was a lot of mental work in that. So, uh, oh, you know, Brad, that, I that can't, is the main I, thing with me. I can't imagine. I just know that the stress I felt from having a professional athlete father and, the you know, the, the kind of the sports mantle is given to us. And, man, I, I can remember just feeling things and not and wondering, what the heck is that? You know, what am I stressing about? I, mean, I thought I was yeah. just walking around, you know, hitting a couple of five irons around. And, uh, and Well, that... you know it, and that's why, you know, that's why there's, you know, very few in the in the, the broad spectrum of things. You know, you take a look, there's not very many uh, father-sons, uh, you know, let's not even worry about whether they're in the Hall of Fame or how good they were that played at all. Right. Because they just they couldn't take it or couldn't live up to the expectations. Yeah, typically speaking, you know, now that we're dads, we watch, you know, and our kids are going to gravitate to what they want, and they kind of want to kind of forge their own way. Well, exactly, and and you want to do that, but you also want to, you know, you want to follow, and you're you know you always want to be like your dad, and and uh, to, you know I can't even imagine. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods is his son trying to, you know, holy cow. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's going to pick up a golf club, and, and the whole world's going to look at him and go, okay, well, I want to I see that swing. And it's like, oh, boy, poor kid. Uh, but if he's got any mental toughness like his dad, he'll be just fine. 
Yeah, very good. Well, wow, Brett, I really appreciate all this time, the thoughts, the the uh, insight, and uh, giving folks kind of a different uh, viewpoint of of uh, of you. You know, you're you're still such a, a key figure here in St. Louis. I know how how much you're loved. I know how much people would actually love to have you on the ice right now to help the Blues as they struggle a little bit. But I got to tell you, I look forward to uh, getting to tee it up with you. And, and my favorite part, as always, is the 19th hole, bud, when we get together and we you have one and we get to you talk about what we just did or didn't do out there. <laughs> you got it. That's my pleasure. It's uh, It's been great being your friend for all these years. Thanks. Thanks so much. You got it, buddy. Bye.